Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And by Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 685. From our In Case You Missed It department, a bit of good news came out this week, early in the week, in the daunting fight against the scourge of ocean plastic. Our show is about birds, as the name Talking Birds would imply. But we know that birds and people can't survive in a toxic world, so we hereby celebrate this best news of the week, conservation-wise. The little bit of good news is that Starbucks says it will stop offering plastic straws by 2020. The company says the plastic straws will be replaced by a new recyclable strawless lid and alternative material straw options. And they say that the move builds upon a $10 million commitment to develop a fully recyclable and compostable cup solution. Good for you, Starbucks, for joining with other big companies like IKEA, for example, as well as many cities and even 60 countries around the world in ending the use of plastic straws and other single-use plastics. In case you hadn't heard about the plastic straw thing, why is it such a big deal? Besides the fact that straws, these plastic straws, are generally not recyclable, it's because we use and throw away something like 500 million of them every day. Extra, extra, read all about it. Here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. Here's the headline, Drunk Birds Caught Staggering After Gulls Night Out. We'll connect you to the intoxicating details. What creatures eat up to 500 million tons of insects every year? Why, birds, of course. We'll link you to some new research about it from the University of Basel in Switzerland. And in New York City, an artist is building gigantic bird sculptures made from reclaimed wood, representing big apple bird species that are threatened by climate change. We'll connect you to that story from the Mother Nature Network. That's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. Not a Facebook follower, that's okay. You can find those stories as well through an online search. Well, here's something we're kind of excited about. It's the Talking Birds listener blog, in which Talking Birds listeners relate stories of interesting bird experiences or observations and send them to us for posting on our website, TalkingBirds.com, and on our Facebook page. We thank Candy Powell from Jamestown, Rhode Island, for starting us off with her great piece with photos by husband Chris of a recent birding trip to Iceland. Check it out on our page or on our website. Please send in your stories, Talking Birds listeners. You can do it through the website or via Facebook, or you can email it to Ray at TalkingBirds.com. That is the sound of our mystery bird. This is a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along just a little bit later on in the show. 
in which we'll be attempting to give away. In fact, we will give away because no correct answer still uh, yields a winner in our mystery bird contest. We're giving away a Droll Yankees Bottoms Up Finch Feeder. Perfect for those birds you love to see at your feeder. Plus, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app. The app that makes learning bird sounds a game. Those are the prizes. That's the sound. And here are some clues. Our mystery bird is a large black and white perching bird with a long dark tail, a bright yellow bill, and bright yellow coloration around the eye. It's commonly and easily spotted in the oak woodlands of central and southern California, but is found nowhere else on the planet. A little introductory clue there and getting you ready for the mystery bird contest uh, just a little bit later on in this morning's show. Meanwhile, our conservation salute of the week goes to... Here's a little hint. That's the national anthem of the Principality of Monaco. The head of that state, Prince Albert II, came to the U.S. this week to celebrate the start of a partnership between the Woods Hole Marine Biology Laboratory, an education and research institution on Cape Cod, and the Prince Albert II of Monaco Foundation, which focuses on environmental issues and has done things like stopping deforestation worldwide and sponsoring 400 other projects, including the Woods Hole Partnership Initiative, to which, during his visit, the Prince made a $100,000 gift for development of a website to help scientists study and identify different species. So, a talking bird salute, a royal salute to Prince Albert II of Monaco. We'd also like to give a really big salute to talking birds ambassadors, even here in the dog days of summer. We have listeners signing up as ambassadors, spreading the word about our show and about birds and conservation. And thanks to our newest ambassador, Ron Schultz from Chicopee, Massachusetts, who says uh, he just found our show and is binge listening. Thank you so much, Ron, for the listening and for the ambassadorship. Uh, by the way, thanks to Rich in Middleborough, Mass, for requesting more Talking Birds cards to hand out. We'll get them right out to you, and thank you, Rich. Become an ambassador. It's easy to do. Just go to our website, TalkingBirds.com, click on the Contact button, and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll learn something about why a large bird, like the American crow and the very similar northwestern crow, routinely attacks a much larger bird, the common raven. We'll find out about that when we speak with University of British Columbia ornithologist Dr. Ben Freeman. Also this morning, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment about how baby birds manage to avoid getting sunburn. And up next, the bird some have called a living stuffed doll. Despite its ferocity, is today's featured feathered friend presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. So why is the northern saw-wet owl called the northern saw-wet owl? Well, the northern part is pretty straightforward. It's a bird whose range covers most of the U.S. and the southern half of Canada. But what about the saw-wet part? Well, in this case, wet is spelled W-H-E-T, as in wet your appetite, or for the northern saw-wet owl, wet as in sharpen, sharpen a saw on a whetstone. 
because it sounds like it's doing just that. When people say a bird is really cute, it could well be this bird that they're talking about. It's undeniably sweet-looking with a cat-like face and bright yellow eyes. And many people would say that this little seven-inch tall living stuffed doll is very tame too. Why? Well, because when it's discovered while resting during the day, it tends to remain still rather than flying away. But this does not mean that it's happy you found it and are trying to communicate with it in baby talk. It's just its defense mechanism. The northern saw-wet owl, mostly brown and white with no ear tufts, feeds mostly on woodland mice as well as large insects and sometimes small birds hunting at night from a low perch. It's preyed upon in turn by larger raptors, including screech owls, spotted and great horned owls, cooper's hawks, broad-winged hawks, and peregrine falcons. It nests in tree cavities, usually claiming old woodpecker holes, and has also been known to use backyard nest boxes. It's today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend, Egolius acaticus, the northern saw-wet owl, capturing your heart and lots of mice, maybe in a woodland near you. Welcome again, and thanks for being with us. Our show number 685. Thanks for being with us. Follow us on TalkingBirds.com. That's our website. And you can catch up with us on Twitter and Facebook at Talking Birds. We talked about British Columbia last week in connection with growing numbers of young birders there, as reported by Talking Birds Ambassador Victoria Marks. And through young Ambassador Adam Dalla, getting one of his photos published in Birdwatching Magazine, and with big birding festivals and a big conference there. And our special guest on the show this morning joins us from that same Canadian province. Dr. Ben Freeman is a postdoctoral research fellow at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. And he's the lead author with Cornell Lab's Elliot Miller of a new paper in the journal The Auk, Ornithological Advances, about crows chasing ravens. And he joins us on the phone now to tell us about his research involving the American crow and the very similar northwestern crow and the common raven. Good morning, Ben. Hi, good morning, Ray. Great to have you uh, with us. Thanks for thanks for joining us. You know, we think, uh, I guess, Ben, of crows as often being aggressive, but apparently they're in attack mode all, almost all the time when they encounter common ravens. Uh, tell us about that high attack percentage, if you would, along with the other main results of your study. That's right. It seems like crows just really don't like ravens that much. We found three main results. And the, the first was that, uh, you know, who chases who? And we just kind of alluded to that. It's crows chase ravens uh, all the time. Uh, and very seldom are ravens chasing crows. And crows are usually doing this in small groups. So it's usually several crows together chasing a raven. And third, this is usually happening, or it happens most often in the spring, from about March to May, is seems to be the time period in which crows chase ravens the most. Uh-huh. They will chase ravens year-round. 
And when it's a year-round thing, it might, might be about territory, about food sources, and that kind of thing? Yeah, so one of the things we wanted to know with this study was, was just, first, what happens in nature? I mean, where birds have to deal with other species all the time, and there, there is a lot of aggression between species. You know, this is something that humans in our current lifestyle, we don't really have to deal with this when we, when we step outside. Uh, but animals do, and we wanted to know who's chasing who. And often the bigger thing chases the smaller thing, uh, in which case we would expect a raven to chase a crow. In this case, it's very much the reverse. Mm-hmm. One thing of particular interest, I think, to amateur birders and bird watchers about your study is that you did it with a lot of help from citizen scientists, right? That's right. Our, our line is that, is that I teamed up with a colleague and thousands of citizen scientists to conduct this project, mm-hmm. which is which is 100% literally true. So the data set that we analyzed uh, was from spe- people's comments that they wrote in checklists in eBird. Mm-hmm. So there is this comment field when you submit your observations to eBird, this, this fantastic citizen science project that, that many of your listeners are probably aware of. Um, and you don't have to write anything at all, but there's enough people that are so interested in the things they're seeing, so captivated by the behaviors they witness that they they choose to, to write in descriptions of, of what they saw when they were out for a walk mm-hmm. or in their front yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we gathered together over 2,000 observations where people had written in comments that, that said, yeah, I was going for a walk on this mountain and I saw three crows uh, flying around and then they they started harassing a raven and the raven flew upside down and tried to get away and eventually the crows chased it away mm-hmm. and that would be one observation in their data set At and least... that let us get this this coverage across all of North America so we have observations from all across North America from all months of the year and that's completely impossible if I were a for me to produce as a single researcher. Mm-hmm. Well, these citizen scientists are generally not experts, so can you tell us how you managed to obtain really usable results from their reports? Yeah, so that's that's a common thing people bring up. They say, you know, you know, here I am. I, I have I have this fantastic training. I'm I'm very believable, but these citizen scientists maybe less so. And I would turn that on its head and say, I, th- I think folks folks who use citizen science um, and are involved in citizen science are, are often really, really good. Uh, there's no um, there's no reason why, why folks that are in academics are necessarily better at, say, bird identification or at describing who's chasing who uh, than many people in the public. Um, and I'd also say that uh, because we're using data that are from these comments, these, are, these aren't these are people that are, are, like I said, so interested that they feel compelled to write something additional that is not required from the participation in the citizen science. That said, I'm sure there are a couple misidentifications in the data set. These are both uh, black birds that are, are relatively large. Crows are, or ravens are much larger than crows. Uh, but I'm, I'm not concerned that that skews our results at all. Mm-hmm. Well, it's fascinating uh, observational material, certainly. You have some other species in sight, too, for more observations, right? Corvid species again, I think, with western scrub right. jays and Stellar's yeah. jays. Yeah. yeah, so there's 
I mean, like I said, these the birds they go out, they they do their thing, and and they're they're dealing with this complex landscape of other members of their species and other species, and there are these aggressive interactions, and we want to know both what happens in nature and and what's important. And as you mentioned, one case that I think would be pretty interesting to know more about are the interactions between scrub jays and stellar jays mm-hmm. in California and the Pacific Northwest, where scrub jays are currently expanding their range northward. They've, they've just barely reached the Vancouver region here, uh, but 100 years ago they would have barely been at the Oregon-Washington border, so they're expanding their range. Mm-hmm. And I would be really curious to know how they interact with their relative, who has a longer tenure here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh And you'll be relying on citizen scientists, uh, again, for help, uh, again, and encourage them, encouraging them to join in, right? That's right. What's the best way for people to do that if they'd like to join in? I know eBird is the the funnel through there. Right, so so at at present, um, at present, for this study, we just use these checklist comments from eBird, and there is not a formal... uh, different mechanism right now that that we're looking at or that we will have Mm -hmm. up and running anytime soon. So if folks are interested uh, in doing this both for themselves to to become better students of birds and their behavior and to have their observations be accessible to researchers, you can just add in uh, a note when you see one species chasing another or or one species eating another or any interaction that's that's interesting to you. Append a note to your eBird checklist, and, and then you'll pick it up from there. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll do our best, yeah, with, <laughs> with keywords like you know chase and mm-hmm. aggress and dive bomb and harass mm-hmm. and things like those. Let us let us pick it up. All right, Dr. Ben Freeman is a postdoctoral researcher at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, and he's the lead author of a new paper entitled "Why Do Crows Attack Ravens." The Roles of Predation, Threat, Resource, Competition, and Social Behavior. You can find out a lot more about it. Uh, just do a search for the AUK, A-U-K, or check out the story at Cornell Labs, allaboutbirds.org. Ben, thank you so much. Thank you, Ray. Coming up next here is our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name is Tim Griffith, and I'm calling from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I decided to become a Talking Birds ambassador because one of the things that I always live by is a quote from Teddy Roosevelt that says that your love of nature is only half served unless you share it with others. And that's exactly what Ray Brown's Talking Birds does. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, talkingbirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at talkingbirds.com. And thanks. Well, if you're not hearing our Sunday morning show live and wondering how you can enter the Mystery Bird Contest because of that, well, here's how to do it. Just go to TalkingBirds.com and we'll show you how to listen live online. Our show is live Sunday mornings, 9.30 to 10 Eastern Time. There's a little listen button right on our TalkingBirds.com website that will show you the uh, easy method by which uh, to do that. 
It's our mystery bird contest, and you are eligible uh, in the contest uh, and perhaps be a winner if you haven't been a winner here on our show in the last six months. And here is the all-important phone number, 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. Here's the sound of our mystery bird. And here are some clues. Our mystery bird is a large black and white perching bird with a long dark tail, a bright yellow bill, and bright yellow coloration around the eye. It's common and easily spotted in the oak woodlands of central and southern California, but is found nowhere else on the planet. Here's another clue that we didn't give in the preview. Our bird belongs to the corvid family, known for birds like crows, ravens, jays, and nutcrackers, and feeds mostly on insects while also consuming a wide variety of plant and animal foods. Clues and the sound of our bird and our prizes, the Droll Yankees' beautiful bottoms-up finch feeder, plus a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. So there it is for our mystery bird contest. And the number again is 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we're going to check in with Mike O'Connor down there at the Birdwatcher's General Store on sunny Cape Cod. Sunshine is great, but how is it for baby birds? They have no feathers really protecting them out there in the open sun. We'll find out what Mike thinks about it. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Well, here's a preview of another great nature book from Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, publishers of the Peterson Field Guides, the Kaufman Field Guides, and many more useful guidebooks and reading books. Every child knows the allure of climbing trees, but how many of us get to make a living at it, spending days observing nature from the canopies of stunning forests all around the world? As a wildlife cameraman, James Aldred spends his working life high up in trees, capturing key moments in the lives of wild animals and birds. Aldred's climbs take him to the most incredible and majestic trees in existence. In Venezuela, even body armor isn't guaranteed protection against the razor-sharp talons of a nesting harpy eagle. In Australia, the peace of being lulled to sleep in a hammock 25 stories above the ground after a grueling day of climbing and filming is broken by a midnight storm that threatens to topple the tree. Read about these and his many other adventures in The Man Who Climbs Trees, available wherever books are sold. Down on sunny Cape Cod, it's Mike O'Connor, Birdwatcher's General Store, here with our Let's Ask Mike Live segment for this morning. Good morning, Mike. Oh, good morning, Ray. Hey, nice segment on the crows and ravens. I've had that same experience here in town a few weeks ago, and I understand that. I said, why are the crows attacking? And ravens are big, uh, are rare here, and I was surprised when the raven took off and the crows went after it, and now Ben filled me in, so that was very interesting. Yeah, so. it is pretty fascinating, and as he said, you can sometimes get mixed up between crows and ravens when you see them together. Ravens are quite a bit bigger, but they still look pretty pretty similar similar yeah they have that crazy voice that that made it easy yeah okay well anyway we we just uh, mentioned about uh, birds possibly getting sunburn i hadn't thought about birds getting sunburn before but is that a thing well yeah i thought i thought it was a thing uh, last week remember i've been talking about these fly catchers in a, in a in a box that i have and i face this box particular box faces east and i always tell people you know face box any way you want and the sun's 
streams in in the morning, and I have this camera in there, and I could see these birds just kind of baking in the sun. And I thought, mm. these guys are going to get sunburned because my relatives are from Ireland, so I know all about <laughs> sunburn. And so I thought, oh, this is a bad idea. I should move that box. So, but then I looked up online, and I found uh, uh, this uh, biologist from the Oregon State University had discovered a substance that other creatures have, like uh, reptiles and fish. And I don't know if I'm saying the name of the substance right, but it's, it looks like it's called uh, God, Godisol or some name like that. But it's a substance that these ber- creatures produce that protect them from sunburn, that protect them from the UV rays. So then, then you start thinking about birds like vultures and condors and turkeys that all have bald heads. And they also don't have a see you know, they're out there in the sun all the time, and, and they're mm. kind of protected from it. So it seems like birds have evolved a way of protecting themselves. So I didn't have to go out and move my box or worry about the baby birds getting too much sun. Um, or more disappointing, I thought I was going to be able to sell a product, um, you know, like Carpetone for Cardinals to make <laughs> some money on that. <laughs> But I don't have to do that after yeah. all. So there goes that big scheme that I thought. Maybe but you I could, thought it was really interesting. Maybe you could connect with the scientists about this. They might, you know, they might find a way to, you know, use the what the birds have for products for humans. Well, I guess that's the next step, isn't it? Yeah, yeah mammals have seen mammals typically go out at night, and so or they've grown extra fur, and they've come up with all these alternatives because that particular, at least from what I've read, I'm still not an expert, but they, it seems like they've kind of lost that product in their uh, in their genes, mm-hmm. and so they, they, you know, and certainly when you get to Ireland, everybody's lost that product in their genes. <laughs> Listen, I know you want to get right on to this research idea and make a couple of million on that, so we'll let you go until next week. All right. Yeah, when I get the million, I'll give you a call. All right. We'll never hear when he gets a million. We'll never hear from him again. (laughs) All right, Mike, thank you. Talk to you next week. Yeah, you got it. Okay, bye-bye. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Whether you enjoy birds in your backyard or far afield, You'll find information in every issue to help you find, track, identify, and understand birds. Regular contributors include Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and other birding experts. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. Back to the mystery bird contest. This is the bird we're trying to identify. A large black and white perching bird with a long dark tail, a bright yellow bill, and bright yellow coloration around the eye common and easily spotted in the oak woodlands of central and southern California. But this is kind of amazing. Found nowhere else on the planet. Our bird belongs to the corvid family. We've been talking a lot about corvids today, known for birds like crows and ravens, jays and nutcrackers. It feeds, this bird does, on insects, also a wide variety of plant and animal foods. That would be our mystery bird. Uh, tell us what it is, or take your guess. No correct answer means a drawing. We'll determine our winner. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. And we have Omar in Ledyard, Connecticut. Good morning, Omar. Good morning. Good morning. Did I get that right, Omar? And did I get Ledyard, Connecticut is the correct pronunciation, not Ledyard? Or something? Yes. Yeah? Ledyard, uh, Connecticut, and that's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, right on the, the Thames River. Is that right? Yes. Okay, and that's not pronounced Thames the way it is in England? No. All right, we're doing well with our pronunciations here. 
Now let's see how we can do with our identifications, uh, specifically with our mystery bird. Omar, what do you uh, what do you say our mystery bird is? Yellow-billed magpie. Yellow-billed magpie is the guess. Holy mackerel! I mean, holy magpie. Nicely done, Omar. Yellow-billed magpie Thanks. is absolutely uh, correct. Are you a, a kind of a really uh, dedicated bird watcher or a casual bird watcher? What would you say? Casual, maybe. Kind of casual, but uh, obviously... I do love birds. You do love birds, and you know something about them. That is that is clear. And if you'll stay on the line, Omar, we will get your uh, address and send you those uh, terrific prizes. How's that sound? Okay. All right. Thank you, Omar. In Ledyard, Connecticut, they're correctly identifying the yellow-billed magpie as our a mystery bird, a close relative, as you might expect, with the black-billed magpie, which has kind of a bigger range than the yellow-billed, just restricted to that area in California. Meanwhile, Tim is waving on there and saying, you are out of time, pal, so wrap it up. Thanks to Mark Duffield, Debbie Bleacher, and our engineer, Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. <laughs> Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And by Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com.